The Razorback football team gets a much-needed addition to the wide receiver position via the transfer portal. Razorback baseball has a tough loss in the series against Vanderbilt over the weekend and what that means for their postseason seating, as well as the famous story of a raccoon in Baumwalker Stadium. This is the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I'm your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend as we know that uh, we're hitting into the middle of May. A lot of you are going to start taking vacations and getting warmer outside and it's just like i love this time of year maybe not for the content purpose uh because it is a, a little bit more i won't say difficult but it's definitely a lot more uh challenging sometimes to go throughout the weeks of you know looking for razorback stuff to talk about but hey that's what my job is for content creation and all that you know some people call me that i'm not that i'm a bs artist remember that one but anyways moving aside uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about that did happen over the weekend, though, in Razorback sports. And a lot of you are, of course, curious about the baseball team, which we'll talk about and all of that. But as uh, as we know, when it comes to what people want to hear the most about and what people are most interested in and kind of what's always the thing that's going on uh, is always about Razorback football and any type of new updates or news or anything that goes on uh, with them as well. And over the weekend, this was something that uh, if you listen to my show Out of Bounds when we had Dudley Dawson on, Pogville.net last week, he kind of alluded to this possibly happening, and it officially came to fruition over the weekend where Arkansas, who needs depth at particular positions, wide receiver and defensive line being the main ones, well, they got a wide receiver, and he is former Toledo and Georgia wide receiver Matt Landers. Now, he's got one final season left, started with Georgia, then transferred to Toledo, and now decided to uh, take his talents to Fayetteville and Arkansas. And uh, here's the thing. Like, if you just look at some of the things that he has going on with him, he, he's 6'5", 200 pounds. So right off the bat, you know you're getting a pretty big-bodied wide receiver, which that's one thing that I always have preferred more so. Like, Because people will bring up, oh, well, remember when Petrino had Joe Adams and Jarius Wright? You know, those guys, those guys weren't big wide receivers, but they were really good. I was like, yeah, but you can't always just assume that, you know, a five foot 11 or a six foot wide receiver is going to work out because he has to be able to have those incredible athletic abilities like Wright and Adams did. Like he, when the ball's in their hands, they can make plays or Jarius Wright with his tremendous route running. Like those aren't, those are pretty few and far between when it comes to those types of wide receivers where he can get maybe some shorter guys, but with an extreme athletic prowess where, you know, no matter what happens, they can still find a way to make a play. But in the SEC, I have always been a big proponent, and this is one of the things that I will actually give, just you know, mark the tape, a little bit of credit to Chad Morris, where he understood that in this conference, you have to have big, wide receivers. Now, does every single one of them have to be 6'5 or above? No. I, think, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But do they need to be able to have size over their cornerbacks and over the safeties that are going to be guarding them to where – it can be a quarterback's best friend knowing that, hey, I may not be able to always get it to him because they may not always be wide open. But if they're not wide open, they can at least have the advantage of being able to jump on top of their cornerback or of the defender 
and make a play that way. It's just kind of a, an extra safety net, if you will, where, hey, they may not be a guy that gets wide open all the time, may not be the fastest guy, but having about you know four or five inches on the defender can always be a plus, especially uh, with a quarterback trying to go downfield. So big guy with uh, Matt Lander, 6'5 and 200 pounds. Uh, he came, he's come from St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg, Florida, and he came out of there in 2017 class. And uh, he said that the Hogs uh, offered him a perfect situation to finish his collegiate career around uh, people he'd known from Georgia, including Sam Pittman and special teams coordinator Scott Fountain and safety Latavius Brini, among others. And this is according to uh, Danny West of Hogsports.com. And uh, the quote was, uh, really just a great fit, great organization, great offensive coordinator, great receivers coach, and a great staff. Like I said, just familiar faces. That's what Matt Landers had to say. He was a three-star recruit who signed with Georgia in the class of 2017. He spent four seasons with the Dogs and just wrapped up uh, 12 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown in 24 games played. He then transferred to Toledo, where he caught 20 passes for 514 yards and a team-high five touchdowns in 2021. With the Hogs, Landers will likely be asked to step in and immediately contribute to a position group that is a share of question marks in the spring. Arkansas is looking to replace the production of Traylon Burks from this past year. Uh, Landers is a second incoming wide receiver transfer next to Jaden Hazelwood. And it looks like as far as the wide receiver position goes, you're going to have Jaden Hazelwood, Warren Thompson, Keetron Jackson, uh, Jaqueline Crawford may get some playing time there as well. Uh, and Isaiah Sintega and maybe one of those guys that, you know, is able to step right in and be that, you know, we talked about the Joe Adams, Joe, uh, Jarius Wright type player. He's 5'11", and he's got stupid speed. So maybe he could do that. And, of course, Matt Landers. So, you know, this is something that is not a slight against anybody. It's not a slight against uh, the team or any of the players on the roster or, or anything like that. But when you start to see late additions in from the transfer portal like this, you know, a lot of people – are going to say, well, you know, they're just needing depth. You know, they don't have a lot of depth at that position. They just need some some depth, which I think, yes, there could be some of that too. But I also think that Sam Pittman and Kendall Bryles and the whole offensive staff, they looked at spring. They saw what they had. They saw the players and getting in them in those positions to run routes and all those things. And they went through the whole month and after it all concluded, they probably got together and said, yeah, we need depth, but we also need someone else that can contribute because the guys that we have, none of them have really busted through. Jaden Hazelwood will be good. You know, Warren Thompson's a guy that's got, that's got some playing time and had some experience from last year. And we have hope for some other of these guys, some, some potential guys, whether it's Keetron Jackson or, or whoever, but we need some veterans. We need some experience. We need some dudes, some men. Not just we're having to rely on 19-year-old kids to come in as a true freshman and play. We need some dudes that will actually have some true experience to be able to help us out immediately. And I think that that's what Sam Pittman and the staff has, has really hammered home the point and why Matt Landers was the perfect fit for him as well because of the connection, because of the familiar faces that they had and um, also the fact that he is a, a big bodied wide receiver at 6'5, 200 pounds. So, you know, putting all that together, do I think that Matt Landers is going to come in immediately and be the best wide receiver on this team? I don't know. I don't think any of us know because a lot of it has to uh predicate on KJ Jefferson and who he has the closest knit, you know, rapport with and, and the wide receiver trust the most. Because that's something that everyone brings up when sometimes unfairly. 
when it comes to wide receivers that come in, uh, they'll just be like, oh, well, you know, KJ is going to throw this guy because he's the best wide receiver or KJ is going to throw to this guy because, uh, you know, he was good at his last spot. So he'll be good at this spot and all of that. And, and here's what I throw to that as far as the caution behind it. <clears throat> and this is an example I bring up all the time. When Ryan Mallett was at Arkansas and you had all those great wide receivers, Ryan Mallett's favorite wide receiver to throw to was Greg Childs, especially in 2010, before Greg Childs got hurt. You remember how awesome Greg Childs was. Uh, a dude had had it all. Speed, athleticism. Um, I think that I still believe that if he wouldn't have gotten hurt in that Vanderbilt game in 2010, uh, he could have been for sure all SEC once the season was all over. Maybe be one of the best wide receiver seasons you would have ever seen in Razorback history. But unfortunately for him, he got hurt and, and all that. But the next year, though, Tyler Wilson comes in and everyone's like, OK, well, Greg Childs, he's healthy. He's ready to he's going to come back. And he did, but he didn't have the production. And now some of you may chalk that up to, to the injury that he had. But I chalked it up to the fact that Tyler Wilson as a quarterback didn't feel as comfortable or didn't have the same uh, you know, bond with Greg Childs that great that Tyler Wilson had with someone like Jarius Wright, for instance, or Kobe Hamilton. And again, that's not a slight. It's just different. It's just different. Quarterbacks have different tendencies. They have different strengths and different weaknesses. And I think that they'll have when it comes to even the wide receivers and the type of wide receivers that they throw to, uh, they will prefer one or the other or have a trust on one and a tr not a trust on the other. Now, some guys will transcend that like Traylon Burks. You know, it didn't matter if Felipe Franks was throwing him the ball or if KJ Jefferson was throwing the ball. He was the best. You know, he he transcended all that. Uh, of course, you know, Chad Morris couldn't figure that out. But, you know, some wide receivers are just that way. But if you throw another example, for crying out loud, Trey Knox is a wide receiver in Chad Morris's final year. Like, he <clears throat> led the team in receiving, and everyone thought that he was going to be the best wide receiver on the team because of how good he was and how many touchdown passes. And the next year, he was just a non-factor. Now, does that have to do with offensive changes in philosophy? You know, maybe. But, again, everything changes and everything's different. And so with this guy like Matt Landers coming in, um, I mean, could he be just a guy that doesn't play too much? Maybe comes in, you know, every so often and maybe makes a play every so often? Sure. But for all I know, he could come in and just be the go-to guy for KJ Jefferson because of the type of uh, ability that he has and the type of uh, rapport that they've built and the trust and bond that they share, especially when it comes to once fall camp comes around. So there's just a lot of different elements and moving pieces to all this that could work out. But the point is, is that when Arkansas is trying to build into being a better team, they are addressing the right things. And that's something that I will give a lot of credit to Sam Pittman and this staff, because I know some people just say, oh, well, it's easy to address needs with just bodies. Okay. But I don't believe that that's what Sam Pittman has done since he's arrived at Arkansas whenever he's having serious needs. It's not just guys that are there for the sake of being guys. Like you're adding in, you're addressing every need. First off, you're not like running back, for instance. You're good at running back. You didn't need to go in and recruit two or three running backs because you always have so many great running backs. Like you're good there. Like, and you don't need to address that. Quarterback, kind of the same thing is, you know, you got a quality one in KJ. You have a quality one in Malik Hornsby backing him up. Like you got all these things together that uh, seems to be, you know, addressing the right needs. And Sam Pittman does a great job with that. But it's about quality depth, it's about guys that, will actually be able to add something to your team. You know, and then you can say, well, this, you know, this player went to Toledo and didn't have the great numbers. Okay, but again, it's not like they're bringing him in because they need him to be the number one guy. Like, they went and got Hazelwood out of Oklahoma. They still have Warren Thompson. He's still a really good player. 
you know, and, and has a lot of promise. Keetron Jackson, they have a lot of promise in as well. Quincy, uh, Quincy McAdoo, I've heard a lot of good things about him. So it's like, it's not like they just added him because they were so desperate that they needed just somebody to catch the ball. Like they added him because they saw, hey, we needed some depth and we're still not 100% confident in all the guys that we have, or at least the core group of guys that we have. So let's give this guy a shot. Let's see what he can do. And once he gets on the field, maybe he really surprises some people. Maybe he really uh, changes it up and blows people away. But either way, it was a, uh, it was a pretty good, um, pretty good gift for Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks, and uh, we'll see if uh, how much of a contribution he gives to the Razorback football team this upcoming season. We'll talk about Razorback baseball and uh, their weekend here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar and their new flavor of birthday cake puffs. Now you hear that? That sounds like what? This sounds like a child's like food or something like that, or some type of dessert. Well, you know what? It brings out the inner child in you because if you ever been to a, a birthday party. And you see the birthday cake, which everybody loves birthday cake. How many times have you just been like, I just want to eat the icing, just like dip my finger in and eat the icing and stuff. I've done that. Maybe not you, but I've done that many times. Still do it to this day. But for you, you don't have to worry about that anymore because birthday cake puffs from built.com and the built bar team is incredible. They sent me some of them and it literally tastes like I'm eating birthday cake. It's unbelievable. And they take, not only do they taste great, but it has 17 grams of protein. It's only 130 calories. It almost seems impossible. Almost seems like there's no way that they can taste this great and be this healthy, but that's absolutely the case. So I encourage all of you to try. Like you will not be disappointed. It's an incredible thing and an incredible new flavor that they created over at Built Bar. And if you buy listening to this podcast, if you go over to built.com, enter in promo code locked15, you'll get 15% off your next order. It's as simple as that. Doesn't matter how many you order, doesn't matter if you buy out the entire store. If you enter in promo code locked15, you'll get 15% off at built.com. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on with the uh, Razorback baseball team and uh, the, uh, you know, disappointing, I think is the best way to put it, showing against Vanderbilt over the weekend where they lost uh, not only the series, but their first home series since 2019. And... You know, Arkansas really needed this series. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it's doom and gloom and that the season's over and that this team sucks because that's stupid, that's asinine, and that's absurd if anybody else does that. However, that doesn't mean that it can't be disappointing. That doesn't mean that there can't be some element of criticism or some element of, you know, being bummed because of this. And Arkansas, it, it's a crazy thing that a lot of people forget. And even though they're a... At the time, their top four team, I think they dropped to number seven in D1Baseball.com after the series lost. But even though they're top four team, even though they're number seven, their RPI is not great. In fact, it's outside the top 25 uh, in the RPI rankings. And that's really what the committee looks at when, they, when it comes to deciding who hosts a regional, super regional, uh, national seeds, and all of those things too. And Arkansas really needed this series, this series victory, to be able to kind of solidify themselves as being a national seed, a top eight seed, because our, uh, Vanderbilt had a really high RPI, I believe it was at three or four. And if Arkansas was able to win this game, it would have boosted or bolstered them up right into the mix, and they would have been in great shape to have that national seed. Well, now it, it's not the case, especially in the fact that not only did they lose this series, but AM was able to take care of business, uh, I believe, against Mississippi State. And in the SEC West, Arkansas and A&M are now tied with the same SEC record. 
But since AM beat Arkansas, they hold the tiebreaker. And this weekend's going to be big to see what happens between AM and Ole Miss, as well as Arkansas and Alabama. So, uh, but it was disappointing. And not only did Arkansas lose the series, but, you know, in game one, there was a, a lot of uh, craziness going on there. Arkansas gets down big and they storm back. They're able to tie it up and then they lose an extra innings off of a, a big home run. But Arkansas then storms back in game two. Has a great showing, gets some hits there, and then it got rain delayed or lightning delayed, postponed until Sunday where they finished the game. They finished the game. Arkansas took care of business. But then in game three, uh, Vanderbilt just got on Arkansas, and they couldn't they couldn't score enough runs to, to get into the mix and <clears throat> ended up losing. Uh, you know, it's just in five, five nothing. I mean, that, that was the thing that it, it was so bad is like it, you can't win if you can't score. I know that's cliche, but. It's true. And so that's what made it even more disappointing is you feel like on Saturday or on Sunday, excuse me, game three, that should be the time where you're able to get the offense going in, in the in the best spot. And Arkansas just couldn't, just couldn't. So they're 37 and 14, 7 and 10 in SEC play. <clears throat> Still in pretty good shape. But uh, now they uh, they fall to 18 and 2 in SEC home series over the last four seasons. Still really good. But either way, it was just disappointing and, and to see how it all went down and the way it all went down and and all that but here's the here's the silver linings of everything and here's kind of where i hold my solace of why i feel like it's going to be okay why there's no reasons to start freaking out you know any of those things like i believe in the fact that arkansas even if they're not a national seed even if they're not hosting their the super regionals if they well, hoping and assuming that they get to that point to me that doesn't matter and yeah, it'd be great for fans to see a super regional in Fayetteville, of course. It would be great to, to be able to experience that, of course. But when it comes to this team and making it back to the College World Series, because that is the goal, to make it back to Omaha, you know, they're still perfectly capable of doing that. I think that they are still a good enough team to do that. It depends on matchups, depends on where they get and everything, and you know who, who would they get matched up against if they made it to that point into the super regionals and everything, but... They're capable of doing that. And honestly, I am totally fine with them not hosting a super regional just as long as you get a more favorable matchup. Now, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know who they're going to play. We don't know what it, you know who's going to be involved. We don't know any of that stuff. But the fact is, is that this team still has a ceiling to get there. They, they still have the capability of getting there. And so my whole deal is, is like, I just, I look at this team and if they're able to take care of business in their regional, because they will host that, like they'll host a regional for sure. But if they're able to take care of business in that and then they go to the Supers, depending on who the team is, uh, I think Omaha is absolutely on the table. Could they go 0-2 and barbecue in Omaha? Sure they can. But I was thinking about a scenario too, like what if, what if Arkansas wins a regional and the regional they get matched up with just because of how the math uh, you know pans out and everything, their supers is against like Tennessee or something like that. Wouldn't that be spicy being over there in Knoxville once again? Oh man, that would be, that'd be intense. But like something like that would be fun. You know, maybe going to like Oklahoma state, like that would be ideal too. If like they had a super regional close by, like if they went to Oklahoma state or something like that, again, I'd have to, we'd have to see what exactly how the numbers panned out. But I'd say all that to say this. Don't worry. Don't fret. It's disappointing, but it's baseball. This team, yeah, they're not going to win every SEC series. Sure. It, you know, Vanderbilt's a good team. It's disappointing to lose it at home. 
you, you can be disappointed, but you can also still believe that this team can do some good things in the postseason. I want to see what they do against Bama this weekend. Uh, Bama's not a great baseball team. If they win that series, who uh, you know, they're still in. Here's another thing, too. They're st they can still win the SEC West. Like, they're still in perfect position to do that. Uh, because I believe AM has a tougher matchup against Ole Miss than Arkansas does against Bama. So if Arkansas is able to just win more games this weekend than what AM wins, then they win the West. And you can't tell me that that's like considered a disappointing regular season if you win the SEC West again. Uh, we'll see what they do in Hoover and all those things too. But I'm not giving up on this team. I, I still think they can accomplish great things. But it was a disappointing showing, especially being at home. And now we got to see uh, how they turn around, how they respond, and how they get it going. Hey, our partners at BetOnline.net continue to be the number one source for all your betting sports needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. And BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and to so much more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions over at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. You are locked on Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment of the uh, Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I had to bring this up because it was the talk of the town over the weekend because we we're talking about Razorback baseball. And I can't wait, uh, at least uh, the recording of this podcast on this Monday, uh, this individual is coming on my radio show on Out of Bounds at uh, 1.30 today. So be sure to tune in. Uh, if, if you get a chance, but uh, Greg, Har uh, Grant Harmon, like this guy who is a Razorback fan and uh, was there at the game on Friday, there was a raccoon on the loose. All right. There was a raccoon on the loose in Baumwalker Stadium, and he took it into matters into his own hands to help get the raccoon out of there. And I'm just going to show you the video because if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. Obviously, it'll be tough on if you're listening, but on YouTube, this is the video of many videos that were taken about Grant and uh, him finding a way to take care of the, the raccoon and get it out of Baumwalker Stadium. I don't know why it was so stretched out. But anyways, that's, that's him taking the raccoon out and finding a way. And I thought this was like awesome. Like, there was just such a great story for, like, Arkansas is that – and there was a second raccoon, too, so maybe there was an infestation. But uh, I, I just want to give a shout-out to this man and the balls that he had and to be able to take a raccoon. And then not only is he carrying it out, but reports say he got bit by the raccoon. And he wanted to go back inside, but all the, the, the health professionals, they were like, hey, dude, you got to go and get a rabies shot. Like, you got to go to the hospital. And so – he put him in the hot. They, they, he went to the hospital and missed out on the game. He's really bummed about that. Got a rabies shot and came back the next day. And I saw that he went into the booth with the guys on the SEC network to talk more about it. And just like this is the type of uh, this is the type of hero that uh, uh, we deserve, but maybe not the one we need type of thing. Like that's a guy that like I just I could because here's the thing. I'll be honest. Like if I saw a raccoon, I ain't touching it. I'm leaving it alone. I'm I'm just you know running away and or, or at least uh, staying away from it, but this man didn't even think twice. Not only did he grab it, but he's got his phone out and he's filming himself taking it out. 
and and you know helping out the cause and and everyone i saw some people like if that poor little raccoon was probably scared well what'd you want him to do did you want him just the raccoon to go through the crowds did you want him to be out there on the baseball field did you like you don't think that that wouldn't be scary either i think it's best just to get him out of there you know and he did the right thing uh so i try i want to know and i can't wait to ask him about this today i can't wait to hear if he how many like raccoons has he handled in his life you know is that something that uh you know it's just like you know is it part of his job like what does he do for a living um you know is this uh something that you know he's, he's just always had a, had a hobby for of handling wild animals you know something like that there's just a lot of stories that i can't wait to to ask him about and get to as well but what a cool little thing and, a, and an awesome thing for arkansas to to be uh to be a part of going viral especially when everyone's talking about it. just an awesome story so either way appreciate everybody listening in to the locked on razorbacks podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on itunes or on google play you can also get after me on twitter at buzz john neighbors for any questions comments concerns that you may have we'll keep it going from there same podcast time same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon have a great day everybody we'll see you then